welcome to the Big Heartland Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Goodman, and TJ is not joining me this week as uh, he is uh, gearing up to uh, welcome in a fourth herniac into this world um, on Monday. Uh, so he's got a lot of uh, a lot of things to sort out uh, this weekend. Uh, get his uh, three other kids <laughs> uh, ready to go uh, while they are going to be without uh, mom and dad for a little while uh, this week. And so I'm uh, I'm going to be podcasting today by myself, and then um, possibly next week we'll see if we can get him in. Um, uh, I plan on podcasting on Thursday. Um, as, as the usual plan is, but obviously that, uh, that's gone off the rails this week. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that, uh, here in a little bit. Uh, you are listening to episode 63 recorded in the witching hour of Sunday, January 26th, 2020. This is the big heartland basketball podcast where you can get the latest in Big Ten, Butler, and Notre Dame College basketball. Wherever you are listening, please help us out by subscribing to our podcast. If you could also give us a rating and a review, that would help us out a ton, getting us out there to more Big Ten, Butler, and Notre Dame fans just like you. Before we get to bourbon time or anything college basketball, let me begin this episode on a serious note. A friend of TJ and I from IU is in need of your help. Ryan Brown was recently diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome after experiencing tingling in his extremities, leading to temporary paralysis. While in the hospital, Ryan has battled double pneumonia, acute lung failure, and other complications. Two weeks ago, he was intubated and put on a ventilator when the GBS attacked his respiratory system. A week ago, he received a tracheostomy while still on the ventilator and was moved to the ICU. A few days ago, he was transferred to long-term acute care and is nodding yes and no in mouthing words. In the description, there will be a link to Ryan's GoFundMe page that his co-workers began on his behalf. Please support this man and his family by donating to this cause. I cannot imagine the stress that Ryan's wife and his family have endured and are currently going through. Ryan is an amazing, hardworking husband and father. Thank you for your support. And now, let's get back to basketball. On this edition of the Big Heartland Basketball Podcast, we begin the show with our darkest takers of the week. Then, we take a deeper look into the forgotten children of this podcast, Butler and Notre Dame, and how they have fared recently and overall this season. Lastly, TJ and I will redraft our fantasy Big Ten teams. We teased it on last week's show, so let's see what we actually change uh, on this week's show. And this is normally the time where I say, TJ, you know what time it is. And then, you know, we started last week. It was so great. It was awesome. We started that siren bourbon time. So so I'll just, I'll give it a little taste. I think TJ does it better than I do. But I'll give it a little taste of it, and we'll see how it goes. It's bourbon time, baby. Today I am drinking a New Riff single barrel, and uh, this is one uh, special bottle that I have that I got for Christmas. Um, you know, I'm drinking it. Uh, I'm drinking it for Ryan Brown. That's that's who I'm drinking it for. Um, you know, he he needs our our thoughts and prayers, and uh, you know, tonight I'm drinking this dram for him, and uh, you know, with him in the forefront of my mind.
Cheers. All right. Uh, so since TJ is uh, not joining us uh, on this week's show, it'll just be a, a lonely docket's take from me. And my docket's take this week is, although we did see Purdue lose at home this past week um, against Illinois, kind of, kind of what I foreshadowed um, on last week's show. I foreshadowed the fact that you know there had only been at the time. Six road victories in the Big Ten uh, among intra-league play. And in a short span of nine days, we have seen exactly six more happen. And and I believe that there are a potential two more that could happen uh, today, Sunday. So despite Purdue losing at home against Illinois, they recovered. They beat Wisconsin. They they dominated that game from the get-go. But that's not the team that I was really focused on with this Dockage take. They weren't the team that I was alarmed at with their home loss, even though Illinois came out in the second half and controlled that second half throughout um, and, and, and really dominated Purdue on their home floor. Despite that, the team that I was really worried about losing at home this past week was Michigan. And it just so happens that Michigan loses again at home today, or I guess yesterday, because today's technically Sunday. But they lose a, they lose a nail break, a nail biter. And it, it's it's a game that. It's a game that that could have easily broken a streak, could have got you back on to, uh, you know, a solid ground, confidence-wise. You, you feel a lot better going forward. Now you've got this streak hanging over your heads that is going to be very difficult to get rid of because I don't know if you know this, but the Big Ten is tough. The Big Ten is tough, and it's it's frankly unforgiving. So just to just to bring you up to speed, Michigan has lost five out of its last six games. The one game that they did win was a home game against Purdue that it took them two overtimes to win, and that was the game that Travion Williams went absolutely off. They couldn't stop him, and frankly, Purdue probably should have won it in regulation and the first overtime. They somehow get it to double overtime, and they dominate double overtime. So without that win, this team could have been on a six-game losing streak, and really you could date back to December 11th, which is the first time they lost to Illinois, um, where you know really they they've only beaten Presbyterian and UMass Lowell. I mean, this team is in a rut, and this game against Illinois that they had today, right yesterday. <laughs> That was one that they had to have they, just to break that streak, just to get something going confidence-wise for this team going forward. Because let me let me tell you what's coming going forward. You have a road game at Nebraska, which is not going to be easy. 
Nebraska's getting better. Nebraska's getting better, no doubt about it. They they can be anybody in that in that arena. And it's only a matter of time before they, they pick up some really good wins. They already have Purdue and Iowa, and I still think that they're going to be somebody better than that. And Michigan's not better than those two teams. So Michigan could very well go into Lincoln on, on Tuesday, January 28th, and come out with another loss. They're fifth in a row. They're sixth of the last seven. And that's when you're talking about completely being out of the NCAA tournament picture. Um, but even after that, you have a quasi-road game against Rutgers that is technically a home game for you um, in Madison Square Garden. Then they have Ohio State at home, who is still also struggling. But still, I I, I still see better glimpses from Ohio State than I have from, from Michigan, um, especially defensively. And then Michigan State at home. So the next four games, you know, Kim Palm has it, has them going two and two. It's going to be tough. I I don't know that they're going to go two and two. They better go two and two, at minimum. But the way that they're playing, and you know, the the, the trust that I have in the in, in the other teams. I know I know Rutgers was in a, a nail biter against Nebraska uh, on, on Saturday as well, but. You're talking about teams that, outside of Nebraska, there is pretty good defensively. I, I just, I, I, this team is 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 in big trouble, big big trouble, um, in, in terms of making the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I'd say that the Nebraska game is a must. I'd say you know Rutgers, given it's a neutral, but I mean that's a quad one win, if you can get it, uh, because it is on neutral. Uh, so get it, you know, get it. Michigan has to have these games. There, there is no room for error, um, you know, because they, they got it. I mean, they got a streak coming here from from February sixteenth to March first. There, there is no give to that schedule, and they'd be lucky to get a couple of wins there. So they they have to have these wins. They're two and six in the conference. I, I, you know, if they go nine and eleven, maybe they have a shot still to, to get in the tournament. But eight and twelve is going to be a hard case. Going to be a hard, hard case. And um, yeah, I, th- this team is not playing well. Their 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 defense is is spiraling uh, further down the, the the metrics. Michigan could very well be. A, a team that we see make their way out of NCAA tournament um, selection here um, in a couple of weeks, and it's it's something that um, hell going back to uh, December fourteenth is is when they played Oregon at home. They 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 played them tough. They went overtime. They lost by one, and and at that point they were ranked seventeenth in Kimpom, and um, you know at that time I, I think you would have said you know. A win against Creighton, uh, you know, a win against Gonzaga, you know, the, the Iowa State, UNC wins on the neutral. That's whatever. It's not a big deal. But the, then you have the the win against Iowa as well. You know, all those wins, th- those are solid, solid wins. You should get to the NCAA tournament. Not the way they're playing.
not the way that they're playing. And yeah, at at this time, they're making themselves tough uh, to to get in. I'd say minimum, the next four games they have to win. For uh, they have to win two. They have to win two of the next four, and then we'll see. Uh, we'll see how far they can get because then they got Northwestern on the road. And I, I'm just saying, it's only a matter of time before Northwestern catches somebody at home, catches somebody good at home. I know they beat uh, they beat Nebraska already at home, but they're they're going to have more than one victory in the Big Ten, and it's only a matter of time before they catch somebody. Thank God it's not going to be Indiana because Indiana does not go to Northwestern. So let, let's talk about those, uh, those forgotten children that uh, we don't always talk about. We don't even mention sometimes, and it, I feel kind of bad because we do lump in Butler and Notre Dame because uh, we, you know, TJ and I are from Indiana, and uh, we, we care about basketball here, and, and we believe that Butler and Notre Dame play a brand of basketball that is worthy of being talked about. And, um, you know, we, we've, we have kind of neglected them, and, um, you know, this is this is an episode where we get to spotlight them because they need to be spotlighted, uh, especially Butler this year because Butler has been tremendous. Yeah, they you know they've had a couple of games here that uh, you know haven't been great, but you know let's let's talk about the Bulldogs here. They're sixteen and four. They're four and three in the Big East. Um, you know, a far cry from from being the you know the, the front runner of of you know being the Big Ten champs. But you know what? They're they're still in solid position. This this team is still, um, you know, still built on defense, and, and that's the important thing. Is you know, last year what what was missing? They were missing their toughness on defense, and and this year they have it. Um, they're they're 18th in defensive efficiency on Kimpom, uh, much much better than last year. Uh, they're 31st in offensive efficiency as well, and that that helps uh, with uh, with the. Um, uh, solid defense, um, things that we're seeing that are really good. They defend the three-point really well, 28th in, in the country in, in defensive three-point percentage. They're 28th in defensive two-point percentage, so they're also guarding um, They're also guarding drives. They're also guarding the paint very well. Um, they're 15th in defensive uh, efficient field goal percentage. So um, that, that's, you know, that combines a whole bunch of things, free throws in, in, involved in, as well. Um, and then 19th in defensive offensive rebounding percentage. So all of this really correlates with each other because they're guarding the three-point pretty good. They're, they're staying in front of people so that they're not getting easy jumpers or easy layups. Um, they're keeping guys off the offensive boards so they're not getting put back, so they're not getting put back dunks. They're, they're not getting offensive rebounds in general just to get second-chance shots. Um, so all of this correlates with each other, and it's it's a big reason why their defense is 18th in the country right now. Um, what's not good is they're 199th in free throw attempts per free throw for per field goal attempt. And what that is is how many times are you getting to the free throw line? And so that tells me that they're they're probably shooting too much, probably shooting threes too much, not getting to the line enough. Um, and, and that's just kind of a figure of, of what their offense is. They got Sean McDermott out there that's uh, you know trying to spray threes. Kamar Baldwin can be a little bit jump shooty, um, especially when he hits one. He usually, you know, he, he usually jacks up a couple more that uh, you know are heat checks. And 
you know, not not exactly what you want to see. They also don't have a great inside presence. Uh, Bryce Enzi is is a little less confident than than you would like at times, and then um, uh, Bryce Golden is is a fine player, but he's more of a you know get rebounds kind of center uh, more than anything. He's not a guy that you go into the post expecting you know some moves and scoring. Um, so yeah, you you know you're not going to get to the free throw line, uh, but that could in turn hurt you because if you're not hitting from the outside, free throws are an easy way to get points, especially with them being guard heavy. And then another thing that's uh, that's not so great is is 288th in steal percentage. So al- although they are guarding really well, they're not turning people over via the steal. Um, it's sort of problematic, but I think this is this is a team that would, if they could, um, get out and run, and and they would benefit from getting a little bit more steals. But unfortunately, they're they're not uh, they're not great at that. Um, the upcoming schedule, they do have a road game at Georgetown, which will be an interesting one. Georgetown is kind of a middling team, not in the not in my tournament right now, but kind of right there. Um, in the bubble bubble zone, I'll say. Um, so th- that'll be a good road win for them to uh, to be able to get if they can get that one. And then they got a couple of games that are going to be really, really important. They got Providence and, and Villanova at home. Um, Providence is looking much, much better than they did in the preseason. I shouldn't say preseason, the non-con season. And, um, and, and so that's, that's a, a very... Very much different team, very much different than than what their metrics are showing, um, and then and then of course Villanova is uh, right there with Seton Hall um, atop the league. So next three games are going to be really really crucial for Butler, and I still think that this team has a shot at uh, winning the Big East, but they're going to have to win some tough games um, here in the next week and a half. Um, see if they they have a shot that that Villanova game is is almost a must win if they are going to be a big east um champion so um as as far as you know my my general thoughts on Butler I think obviously it's it's going to be very tough at this point for them not to make the tournament so that's a great thing I said that a few weeks ago and I still feel that way um even more so now um but uh you know Butler doesn't have a whole lot of problems. Um, I know Aaron Thompson was was out last uh, was it last night I think uh, when they played Marquette, um, and and that was a little problematic because they they definitely couldn't put as much pressure on uh, Marcus Howard as as they would like to, and and you saw uh, Kamar Baldwin on Marcus Howard uh, basically toward the end of the game and in overtime. Because they had to, because he, he's he was their best defender, and and you just you had to throw him at, at Marcus Howard and make somebody else beat you, and um, it almost happened. They almost they almost uh, had other people beat him, but um, you know they they hung tough. They they stayed true to their principles, and and really Marquette just, um, they, you know they they did Marquette things and uh, uh, kind of gave away that game. Um, Toward the end of that second half, and then and then in overtime as well, they did not have uh, great offensive possessions uh, to open up overtime, and then um, 
through toward the end when I think they they made a three to to make it competitive, but um, you know s- stuff that uh, normally happens uh, with the not a very I, I I sent out some tweets. So if you if you really want to know my thoughts on, on Marquette, just look at uh, my my tweets from earlier uh, Saturday morning. Uh, <laughs> they're reflected in those. Um, anyway, so so my my thoughts on Butler. I, I'm not. I don't think I was ever really sold on them being a Final Four kind of type team. I, I guess in this college basketball landscape, they they could, um, but I certainly wouldn't bet on it. And uh, I, I'm not entirely sure what the what the bracket would have to look like for me to to like their chances of being a Final Four team. I just I just think you put any bracket out there and I'm not entirely sure that I would have Butler, even when I had him as a number one seed in Indianapolis, I I just, I still didn't really feel like they could navigate their way to a final four. I think they they could, you know, elite eight, sweet 16 for sure. But uh, final four is a little, a little too much for me, but uh, Hey, maybe, maybe they'll prove me wrong. They do have a solid team. They have a guy that, that can take over games and Kamar Baldwin. I mean, they have the pieces. There's, there's no doubt about it, and um, they, they very well could. But I'm, I'm not quite on that bandwagon just yet. Let's move on to uh, the Fighting Irish, and and Notre Dame is really struggling here, and it's, it's disappointing on my end because I, I thought that this team would be. I thought they would be more sound um, and more fundamental than, than they are. And, and they're not, they're still playing young and it, it, it does bother me because we, we know, you know, TJ and I, um, we, we call Mike Bray the wizard and, and we call him the wizard for a reason because he gets guys that are, are generally not as talented as, as normal you know, big time ACC players are, and yet he gets the most out of them. He maximizes their talent and uh, and abilities, and and so far, I just feel like he has not been able to reach this group in doing so. And um, and certainly, their their defensive toughness is not a prototypical Mike Bray Notre Dame team, and and really, he hasn't had a prototypical tough defense in maybe three seasons now I mean it's it's been it's been a while and you know this it's no secret like this team ranks 106th in defensive efficiency on Kimpom like that's really that's not good that's not good as an ACC opponent and you're going to give up a ton of points even in a down year in the ACC and I don't. Their offense isn't elite enough to outscore people. I mean, we saw it tonight or last night, Saturday night. They got into a track meet against probably the most athletic, <laughs> the most athletic team um, in Florida State, and I, I would say Florida State's more athletic than than Duke uh, certainly this year. Um, but you can't, you just can't do that. Uh, they're they're not built for that, especially defensively. And and um, you know they 
they lost. They they lost out on you know an opportunity that that would have been. I mean, it would have easily put them right into the conversation of being a bubble team, uh, winning on the road at Florida State. Not able to close it out. They had opportunities, and um, you know, unfortunately, that's 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 been about the season. It's been a season of opportunities and not being able to cash in. Um, you know, 39th in offensive efficiency. Things things that are, are really good. You've got second in turnover percentage, so they really take care of the ball. They don't turn the ball over. Um, they're, they're first in defensive free throw attempts per field goal attempts, so they're not fouling people. They're not getting them to the line. That's awesome. First in the country, that's awesome. Uh, first in, in non-steal turnovers, um, uh, you know, so they're, they're not throwing the ball away. They're not getting shot clock violations, things like that. Um, you know, th- these are all great staples. I mean, they're first, first and second in the country in those three categories. That's really good. That's out of 353 teams, folks. That's really, really good. But they're not a tournament team. So that means they must be really, really bad at something else. And they are really, really bad at other things. They're 327th in, in free throw attempts per field goal attempt. What does that mean? They do not get to the free throw line. So not only do they not let others get to the free throw line, but they themselves don't get to the free throw line. Remember how I said that, you know, that thing about Butler, they don't get to the free throw line enough because they take too many shots. This is Notre Dame times two. So they take way too many shots from the outside. They're not getting tough baskets in the paint. They're, they're not, you know, driving off their guy and, and really trying to finish strong. They're not doing any of that. They're shooting way too many jump shots. And in today's college basketball, with with the three-point line moved back a little bit, it's way less efficient uh, this year. Uh, they, they need to get a little bit dirty, get into the paint, see if they can get some cheap points off the uh, off the free throw, free throw line. Um, and then you got their 240th in, in defensive turnover percentage. So um, they're, they're just, they don't turn you over, but they, they don't put enough pressure on you. I, I guess, I guess to sum up the problems for, for Notre Dame is, is this 31st in three point attempts per field goal attempt. So they're shooting a ton of threes. 31st in the country in, in three-point attempts. And then fourth in assists per field goal made. So that means they don't have a player that can take somebody off the dribble and create for themselves. They very much have to be team-oriented, passing the ball around, and getting shots manufactured from assists. Although that is a great thing to have, you need to have balance. And that's what they lack. They lack that balance. They lack that guy that can go out and get a get a quick bucket. Because they don't have that. You would think they might have that in TJ Gibbs, but TJ Gibbs hasn't really came to be that guy. You might think that they would have that in Prentice Hub, who has I guess has that ability, but he's still somewhat plays like a young player he's a sophomore but i i thought 
you know, we were going to see a much better Prentice Hub this year because he got so much experience as a freshman. But we really haven't seen that. We really see, we really haven't seen him flower and grow um, this year like I, I thought he might. Uh, and he's taken way too many jumpers. He's settling. He's, um, you know, taking way too many uh, step back threes and just like you've got a quickness about you and you just go drive around your guy get dirty get in that paint see if you can get a foul call because you're a good free throw shooter as well go get buckets that way he doesn't quite do it this team is particularly in trouble this year because the acc is on its probably worst year in a decade it's it hasn't been this battle in quite some time and so it's going to be very difficult to manufacture quality wins um you see what they have next they have three home games next and they got they have to win all three i mean there's no other scenario where if if your goal is making the ncaa tournament there's no scenario in which that happens and they lose one of these next three games they they can't do it they have home against Wake, home against Georgia Tech, and home against Pitt. All three of those teams are not NCAA tournament teams. Georgia Tech can't make the tournament because they are, uh, whatever, banned or whatever for this season. Um, and then and then Wake is, well, well, they're they're I guess better than I thought they might be, but they're still not they're still not a tournament team. They're not even close. And then Pitt is like a, a little bit better than Wake, but. Probably a solid NIT team, and that's it. So those three games have to be wins for Notre Dame for them to even think about having a chance for the NCAA tournament. And then they got three road games after that that are going to be they're going to be tough. You're going to have to at least steal one of those. Um, see if they can try to rebound from this two and six start in the in the ACC. Uh, but I fear that that too much damage has already been done. It's not a great uh, ACC, they've they've got that Boston College loss just hanging over their heads. It just it kills their metrics. Absolutely kills their metrics. They're, it's not they're, they're not even close to being in the bubble because of that one loss right there. It, it, I wish I could say it was at BC, but it wasn't. It was at home. It was in Indiana. It, I just it blows my mind that that would that loss is as damnable as as any loss. Uh, from from a major team, it just absolutely kills Notre Dame. Uh, if they if they could have just squeezed that one out, you, you would. I, I think their metrics would be up by twenty. It just kills them. Um, I hate to see it because I I just think Mike Bray is is better than what his teams have shown in the past couple of years, and um, I think this team is is fallen almost like last year's team, just fallen by the wayside. Okay, so uh, so the next thing that um, that we were going to uh, showcase is, is our uh, redraft, and uh, again we were planning on this for for Thursday. Um, you know, th- things got uh, kind of crazy at school for for TJ. He had to plan for um, you know his his uh, paternity leave and all that stuff. So um, 
weren't able to do it on Thursday. I had too much of a busy day on Friday. Um, and then, and then Saturday, I couldn't do it until super, super late. So I'm, I'm here at, at 12:46 in the morning on Sunday. I'm do, doing this podcast for you guys, and um, and, and so I, I, I basically I had already made the changes because I, I knew what players he was going to take out. I knew what players he was going to to put in, and and, and so I've I've already started accumulating uh, scores for those players, but. Uh, let's go through it. So what I had him do is I said, all right, who, who are the two players you're getting rid of? And he said, Devontae Green and Pete Nance. No surprise there. Devontae Green over uh, a span of, uh, I think, seven games, uh, he scored 56 points, four offensive rebounds, 19 defensive rebounds, 13 assists, four steals, a block somehow, shooting 35% from two, ugh, uh, 70% from, from free throws, um, and then 31% from three, um, you know, not not very good, not very good at all. Not the player that uh, that I thought he would be, and and certainly, obviously, TJ uh, thought he would be. Um, and, and then Pete Nance, 70 points, um, eight offensive rebounds, 37 defense rebounds, 13 assists, one steal, five blocks, uh, 45% from two, whatever, that's fine. 60% from free throw on five attempts. Um, and then uh, uh, shooting 25% from three, shooting 28 three-pointers. Like, what are you doing? Um, so, yeah, he, he, he traded in two just non-factors, just uh, not not good players right now. Traded those two in for Marcus Carr from Minnesota and, and Xavier Tillman. And then the the first game that Marcus Carr gets for him, he scores 20, 21 points, seven rebounds, uh, you know, shooting, uh, you know, three of five from from three points. So uh, already a beneficial pick for uh, for uh, TJ there. Uh, so I had him, you know, make his picks first, do both of them um, uh, before mine, and then uh, and then for me. I uh, I took out Dwayne Washington. Uh, I struggled with that one because his his three point percentage. I thought I might still need that shooting forty two percent from from three points uh, in Big Ten play, but um, I, I had to I had to let him go. He's the least least productive guy. And then this one also kind of killed me. But uh, I went with Matt Harms, um, even though like. I still don't think he's 100% healthy, and that's part of the reason why I I chose to get rid of him because I just I felt like if he was 100% healthy, he'd be out there a lot longer than he is, and he'd be getting a whole heck of a lot more blocks. Although he looked pretty good against uh, against Wisconsin, but it, you know, either way, um, I, I I get I get rid of both those players, and then I add uh, Joe Wieskamp. Who is uh, really coming on strong? So uh, hopefully I'm going to keep my three point percentage uh, at at a really good rate. Also my free throw percentage should be really really good with Wieskamp. Um, he's starting to get to the line a little bit more um, than certainly than he did last year and also earlier in the season as well. And then um, I really wrestled with this one because I you know I was debating on. A big man, or if I wanted somebody that was a, a wing player, and ultimately I, I rested on the 
the ability to keep my free throw percentage up. So I went away from big guys, and I went with Ron Harper from Rutgers. And um, although Rutgers is so balanced in, in, in what they do, Ron Harper, to me, has the best ability to pretty much always be in double, double figures and points and then fill up a stat sheet. Um, I always feel like when I look at his line, he's always filling up the stat sheet. There's not a whole lot of zeros on his stat sheet. Um, and, and those are the type of players that you kind of need for this type of fantasy team. So I went with Ron Harper. We'll see how it goes. Uh, hopefully uh, I can keep my lead because I am still winning every single category as of right now. Um, but there are... Things that are a lot closer than I would like. Defensive rebounds are close. Offensive rebounds are close. Um, steals are close. Uh, and then two-point percentage and free throw percentage are really close. Um, right now, my three-point percentage is, is great, but he just got a pretty good three-point shooter in, in Marcus Carr, so I expect his numbers to, to spike quite a bit. Uh, plus, he got rid of Pete Nance, who was shooting, again, 25%. I mean, can't be any worse. So he gets rid of that. Devontae also wasn't shooting very well. So getting rid of those two guys who were shooting volume three-point shooters, uh, three-point shots, I should say, and then uh, not shooting them well. So getting rid of that, getting good, uh, a good, solid three-point shooter uh, will help his three-point percentage. So um, hoping that my Joe Wies camp keeps uh, keeps my percentage up at 37 um and uh and, and we'll be coasting uh for a victory by the end all right uh so this is uh this is where tj usually wraps things up uh but uh this is this is my job now and uh very difficult because i'm not used to doing this I, i'm not used to closing us out and and saying all this, uh, all this stuff. So I'll do my best to, to do a TJ, uh, S type performance, uh, but no promises here. All right. So catch the Big Heartland on the Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review for us. You can send us your comments on how we can improve the show on Facebook by email, email. Yes, you heard it right. At thebigheartland at gmail.com. Can't get any easier than that. Or on Twitter at the Big Heartland. It's very easy to find. T H E B I G Heartland. Get it right. Don't forget the best way to stay updated on everything Big Ten but basketball is to subscribe to the Big Heartland Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. We are here to make this the best Big Ten but basketball podcast in the nation for you guys. Thank you for listening. We will catch you next week, and please, 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 please go check out that GoFundMe. Help out my friend Ryan Brown and uh, and his family. Uh, help them get through this. Thank you. Thank you.